0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. You
1: can be seated. You can be seated. We're going to give this time up. We're going to get this time up. To the name of the lord and honor him honor him honor him in this time but um i get the expressed honor expressed honor of um, um on every t- sunday where we have um our anniversary we have a guest who's special to the ministry to come minister and today we have someone that's not a stranger to our church Uh, Pastor Blake Wilson of Crossover Bible Fellowship on the north side of Houston. He's the husband of one wife. Amen. I say that nowadays. Mm. Um, And he got two children, Reagan and Robert Chance. And they're beautiful, beautiful people. And so... We are gonna welcome him to the stage today. Let's give him an Epiphany welcome to our brother, Pastor Blake Wilson.
0: Yvette, what you doing? I see you, I see you, amen. Praise God for the opportunity to be here uh, at Epiphany Fellowship, Philadelphia, amen praise God for all the things that He's done over the last 13 years. I've had the privilege to uh, know Eric and Yvette since 1999. Our relationship is 20 years old at this time. and um, I'm glad to see Yvette's dad and mom here. Um, Yvette, uh, when Eric said that uh, now y'all got to listen all the way through what I'm about to say, man. So uh, when Eric and I lived in Houston together and we're doing ministry together, uh, we talk so much on the phone. <laughs> Yvette's mom, she doesn't think I remember this. She said, "Well, if Eric was ever cheating on you, it would probably be with Blake. They talk so much." I mean, now, now understand. She was just saying we talk a lot. All right, y'all got all that, Amen. All right, but that's the point that Eric and I talked all the time, and uh, it's amazing to see what God has done since those conversations in 1999 and Eric being able to say. Uh, I'm leaving the Houston area, the Dallas area where Eric was known and loved to step out on faith, to come to the eastern shoreline and to plant churches. These were conversations that we had at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Our wives would be in our house upstairs sleeping. We're still downstairs reading the Bible, crying and praying and doing all that kind of stuff, eating pancakes at early in the morning times and doing all that kind of stuff. So I just want to thank God to see the, the witness of the work. Amen, and the benefit of the work of those conversations. So praise God for that. If God has done one thing for you since you've been at Epiphany, will you go ahead and clap your hands for him, amen? If he's done two things, will you wave your hand and say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me, amen? Praise God for your amazing pastor, visionary, and the elders of this church, a great men who stand alongside pastor, their, their families, their wives, and the leadership, this type of ministry cannot be done without willing-hearted servants and volunteers who serve the Lord uh, in an amazing way. Praise God once again. Uh, you all have uh, studio-style recording worship every Sunday. Amen. So give a big thank God to y'all's praise team, to all those that sing. Now, don't take for granted what y'all got. Amen. Don't everybody have that? Amen. This is kind of like Motown of Christian music, amen, that that y'all have up here. Amen. So turn with me in your bible to james chapter 1 verse 12 through 18 james chapter 1 verse 12 through 18 i'm going to read james 1 1 through 4 skip down to 12 through 18 at the early service 9 o'clock i preach from james chapter 1 verse 1 through 4 but this part is part 2 of what i'm teaching while i'm up here james 1 12 through 18 and so if you need to you'll need to go back and get the previous message amen Um, So make sure that you go back and listen to the first one because this is actually part two. If you have a device, attach your attention to James chapter 1, verse 12 through 18, if you'll stand to your feet. Now, since it's your anniversary, I know y'all normally read when Eric is here. I'm going to read, amen, and y'all just chill out. I got a friend from Houston, Damon Hoyle, who's here. down here for a wedding and he happened to be down here and so good to see you Damon. Amen. Amen. Wave your hand. Good brother from Houston was a part of our church when we first got started and now he's uh, still in Houston but up here chilling and glad to see him today. Amen. A a friendly friend in case y'all try to jump on me. I got somebody to fight with me. Amen. James chapter 1. I'm gonna read verse 1 through 4 but the preaching text will be 12 through 18 so those of you who are at the second service can get the background of this message. Amen. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now down to James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is being tempted, he is tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be holy and acceptable in your sight for God, you are my rock and my redeemer. God, I come to you now asking that you would make our hearts clear, make our minds, Father God, Lord, prepared to receive the word of God. God, I ask that you would open up our minds that we might understand the scriptures. May our hearts burn within us as we speak to us along the road. God, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be doers of the word and not simply hearers who delude themselves. For it is in the doing of the word of God that we are blessed. We pray that you strengthen us by grace and grant us the ability to teach, hear, and understand the word of God in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and thank God. In the first gathering, James 1, verse 1 through 4, I tagged the text, The Perfect Process. But this message in particular, James 1, 12 through 18, I'd like to tag The Perfect Performance and Imperfect Propositions. When you talk about being perfect, one of the things that you think about is the game of baseball. Now I know that your team, the Phillies, are still trying to fight for a playoff spot. But my team from Houston, although I'm a Los Angeles Dodgers fan, amen, my dad told me we root for the Dodgers because of Jackie Robinson, so I've been rooting for him my whole life. We've already secured our playoff spot months ago, amen. So I realize y'all are still in process. But when you think about what it means to be perfect and to have a perfect performance, perhaps in the sporting world there is nothing greater than that of a pitcher who pitches a perfect game. When a pitcher pitches a perfect game, it is far different than a no-hitter. In a no-hitter, a man could have reached base by error. A pitcher could have hit the batter or some type of way, walked the batter, and they got on base. But when playing baseball and a pitcher pitches a no-hitter, In the major leagues, there are nine innings with three outs. That means that 27 batters only came up to the plate, and not a single one of them got a hit, and they were all dismissed via out and sat down on the sideline. It is called a perfect performance. It is flawless and perfect. It is the highest level of performance in the game of baseball. But a lot of times people talk about we cannot be perfect. There are a lot of people that have bought into the colloquialism that no one is perfect. However, Jesus Christ, our Lord, said that we were to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so we got to be careful of walking around and dumbing down our Christian faith to the degree that we say that we are not designed to be perfect. But when we talk about perfection, we need to find out what did Jesus mean when he said to be perfect. So let me define it for you. To be perfect means to reach the end of or to complete a process, to be complete in all parts, full grown, lacking in nothing. It comes from going through the necessary stages to reach the end goal, that God is going to Process you put you through a process to where you start out in one place but by the end of that time God brings you out where you become a mature believer in the faith because God took you through a process a lot of people want to be like Jesus they just don't want to go through the process that Jesus went through to get to that to that place of perfection so here it is is that you need to know that in your life you are going to face various trials and when it comes down to how do you become engaged in the perfect process says here it is it's your name plus trials equals perfection and how you move through trials will determine whether or not you will be perfect or not which means that many of us as Christians can be imperfect Christians although we're in a perfect faith it means that we can be immature undeveloped not willing to go through the process to where we give up too early and let go too early before the process has been finished God says if you're going to be perfect you got to go through the process. You, You can't have a give up, quit spirit with one or two bumps in the road to where you give up and quit when trial hits your life. But that's not all, let me give you a little definition of trials. Trials simply is to be put to the test. It's an experiment that involves calamity or affliction that is designed as an authentic proving ground. It is literally God, think about this, doing an experiment on your life putting you to test and trial, making you go through some things so that he can show you authentically where you really stand in the faith. Then you might think, man, I I go to Epiphany Fellowship, I hear some solid doctrine, I get some Greek and some Hebrew words broke down, I get some tenses and all that kind of jazz, but that's one thing to hear a good word, it's another thing to be able to live out the word that you heard. You might be theologically able to answer questions to where you're an A-plus Christian, but when it comes down to enduring and persevering and going through the process, You might be a C-minus believer, and it ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just showing you where you are, and there's still some more semester to take, so you can get to an A if you want to. Trials are the place where God proves you and takes you through to show you where you actually are, where God says, have you considered Job? where God volunteers you, sovereignly selects you for the trial that he's going to go through. Satan, where have you been? I've been looking around, and he missed Job, and God says, hey, I, I got a guy. Trial written on your name, sovereignly selected by God, for you to go through this process, this trial, this tribulation, this storm, and situation in your life, God has your name on it. It's a trial. But then also in this text, we're going to talk about something different. See, a trial is an authentic proving ground where God is not trying to fail you, he's trying to pass you. He's trying to show you where you are, but there's another thing in this text called temptations. And as we look at temptations, watch this, temptations are quite different. They are solicitations to failure which appeal to our lustful internal motivations, desiring things outside of God's will. It is a solicitation to failure, which appeal to our lustful internal motivations, desiring things outside of God's will. In other words, that girlfriend is not outside of God's will until you sleep with her. Oh, yeah, I can't get no amen right there. I, I feel you. Let me, let, let me move on. That's the, that got too close to you, amen? That, that, that boyfriend who you just going to let him get a little taste so that he can know what he's going to be working with down the road, that boyfriend, he, he was in the will of God until you just let him try it out a little bit, amen? I'm trying to work with you here. I don't want you to fall into temptation. But if you were to... He put the ring on it, and y'all say yes and amen. God can bless that thing, amen? Put some favor on it, Amen? James chapter 1. He says, blessed is a man, watch this, who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now notice this, James 1, which I taught in the earlier service, is the purpose statement of the book of James. That God is putting us through trial. And he told us to consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work to where it might be, you might be complete and lacking in nothing. That God is trying to produce in you endurance. Trying to give you some spiritual muscles that don't quit too early. Don't, don't give up too early. Anybody can run a 10-meter dash... Ain't no 10-meter dash, but you can do 10 meters. It's a 40-meter dash. But when we start talking about the mile, brother be like, no, nah, man, I don't do long distances. God is trying to get you to be a marathon Christian, not no just l- little quick race to where you run a little bit and then you give up. That's all I got. No, God is trying to try you and grow you. But then there are those times to where you'll be tempted to failure, amen, to where in the process of this, it can either be a trial where I give God glory or this can be a temptation where I mess up my story. Notice this. In James chapter 1, verse 12. The perfect performance requires passing the perfect process. Realizing our temporal situations have eternal ramifications. Check out James 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I want you to check something out. See, y'all don't do this on the East Coast, y'all don't do this in Philadelphia, but in Houston, in, in the South, in the Bible Belt area, if you're talking to somebody, you say, how are you doing? And if they're a Christian, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Too blessed to be stressed. Y'all ever heard that? Oh, that, that crept up here, amen? So I, I didn't know that it got up here. But you talk to these super Christians, they say, they're too blessed to be stressed. Got, got T-shirts and all that kind of jazz. Uh, uh, blessed and highly favored. They got all that on. But watch this, that's not what the text says. See, see, see that's counter to the Bible. The Bible says, I stress you that I might bless you. You need to make you a new t-shirt and get you some money on that. He says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. In other words, if you're going to be blessed, you got to be stressed. Quit wearing the wrong t-shirt, amen. Then if you want to be blessed, i got to persevere you under trial. Blessed is the man who doesn't give up when he's under trial. Blessed is the man who doesn't quit when it gets hard. Blessed is the man who, who, when it's rough and tough, doesn't stop and lay down. Blessed when you're stressed. Get that t-shirt, just send me some royalties, amen? Watch this. Now, now, if you don't mind, flip with me in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, and let me see what we're talking about. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Now, if you're dating somebody, now's a good time to see if they turn to the, to the, to the Old Testament. <laughs> Revelation is the last book of the Bible. You, you can let him go, baby. Right after you right after turn to, went, went to the... Let him go. Let him go. Revelation 2, verse 9 and 10. Watch this. In Revelation chapter 2, it says, in the church of Smyrna, I'll start at verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was dead... And it's come to life says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. It looks one way, but it's actually this way. What you're experiencing right now, you don't realize that you're going through tribulation, and your poverty, but you're actually rich. And the blasphemy by those who say that you are, that they are Jews, but they are not. And they are synagogue of Satan. Watch this. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be, look at it, tested, and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, y'all know what you like about that verse? You like when he tells you the test is only 10 days. See, many of us say, I'm I'm eight days in. I I get two more, amen. See, when you're going through trial, here's the worst part about it, is you don't know how long you're going to be in the trial. You don't know how long the season is going to last. The reason why he wants you to have some endurance and some power is because you don't know how long it's going to last. He said, it's going to last 10 days. But here's the part you don't like about the text. Be faithful to death. Oh, Lord, I didn't know it was going to take me out. Oh, Lord. But he said, but when you go through, I'm going to give you a crown of life. In other words, what you're going through right now is only setting up an eternal weight of glory. That you don't just live on earth. You will live with me forever in heaven. And when you get here, I'm going to reward you for passing the test. Yeah, we might make it here. 70 years my great-grandfather made it 98 years a friend of mine who just went home to be with the Lord made it 85 years but watch this now are you going to live with him for eternity he says and when you get over there what were all those trials about God what was all that struggle about God God I didn't like what I went through yes but the way you went through to give glory to me as you were going through I'm gonna give you a crown of life put it on your head so you can give me glory at the judgment seat of Christ In other words, at the judgment seat of Christ, when I begin to hand out my rewards to you for how you lived on earth and how you performed on earth, all the trials that you went through and all that you went through for God and called on his name and all that, he said, I'm going to give you a reward. But but, but y'all not feeling it yet, so let me help you. you. You didn't get it. See, my favorite player of all time in football is Jerome Bettis from teams that win Super Bowl championships like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, amen? Uh, now, 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 y'all accidentally got one the other year, amen? But this is, this is real football, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <clears> and, 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 and I, I know, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate. Don't hate, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate. Listen here. Y'all win five more than y'all can talk, amen? Now, but, here, but here's the deal. Listen, Jerome Bettis Jerome Bettis of the Pittsburgh Steelers started out with the Los Angeles Rams, had an amazing season there, but then some trials and tribulations went down with the owner. They didn't want to pay him to the degree that he was running the football for them. And he got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. God changed his story for glory. Amen. As he got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. During the course of his career, he became known as the bus. And in his last season, won a championship, a Super Bowl, in Detroit, his hometown. But they were 10-6, and were the last team to make the playoffs. But they went through the trial, persevered, beat Indianapolis, beat Denver, and then ended up beating Seattle in the Super Bowl. I I, I got it down. I, I remember it. But watch this. When he made it into the Hall of Fame for his performance during his career, While he was playing the game, I looked at his stats. Watch, watch. Over 13 years of carrying the football, he carried the football 3,479 times for 13,482 yards. Watch this. And he made the, watch this, Hall of Fame. And they made a bust of him that they gave him for saying, you are a Hall of Fame player. But as I looked closer, he only scored 91 touchdowns. That means 3,388 times they set the bus back there. They gave him the ball and they tackled him and hit him to the floor. And watch this. What's so great is that he would not have made, watch this, the Hall of Fame, just on 91 carries and 91 touchdowns. It's how he made the Hall of Fame by 3,388 times where he got the ball and got tackled and driven to the ground. And yet while driven to the ground, he got back up and got back in the huddle. We don't need no Christians that you get hit one time to my coach, get me out the game. Coach, no, no, we need some brothers and sisters that will persevere and get back up after struggle so here's the deal he says I want to give you a crown of life how many y'all know that y'all can make the Christian Hall of Fame that the way you go through trial here and tribulation God says I will reward you for all time he says this he said blessed is the man who perseveres under trial for once he's been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now watch this. I want to tell you something about your trial. The perfect performance is the display of our spiritual dedication and affection to God as we face our temporal situations. Then what a trial does, he says, I'm going to reward those who love me. The reason why some people don't give up when they want to quit is they love Jesus too much. You, you, you ain't heard what I'm saying. What a real trial is designed to do is to show you how much you love Jesus, even when you're going through all that you're going through. You say, I, I, I want to give up. I want to quit. But guess what, God? I, I love you too much to quit and give up. This past summer, my wife and I had been jogging and running. A couple of years ago, I was working out with my fitness coach. Coach said... Got a sciatic nerve injury in my back, came back from that, another sciatic nerve injury in my back, and I'm like, golly, man, I was in the best shape of my life, 48, feeling 28, you know, I mean, I, I, I had it going on, but then after years, of, a couple years of recovery, we started jogging again, I'm getting ready to get back into my training with Coach said this Tuesday, and my wife and I were jogging and we were running, and watch this now, uh, we, we had gone about five miles the first day, and three point eight the next day, and five point three the next day, and three point seven. And then they had to go to work was about two point eight. And watch this: we were running. I said, "Baby, we're gonna jog. we gonna uh, uh, walk to here, and we're gonna jog up to the blue sign." And when we got up to the there, I said, I said, "I said, you ready?" She said, "Go." And I started out, boom, and I was going. I said, "Man, hold up! Now, which blue sign did I tell?" You? <laughs> because y'all, you know, you know I, I really wanted to give up, and there was something in my mind saying, Blake, you can stop right now, because there was two blue signs, but I really pointed at the farther blue sign, and this one, was. and somebody was saying on the inside, man, quit, but I had my gal who I told, that, look here, we're going to the blue sign, and she, I, I said, nah, I can't quit and give up, so I went on, but, but something was saying, quit, man, quit, and someone was saying, but but, but, but my gal, she'll, she'll laugh at me if I quit, but no, no, she'll like me more if you quit, because she don't want to run to the second sign either, and watch this, so I finally, through all this deliberation in my mind, got to the second I said, oh, praise God, let's stop. But what I found out is all that stuff was going on in my mind. Something was saying quit, something was saying go, but, but by the time I got to the end, I had persevered all the way to the end. See, as you go through trial, you will have various voices tempting you to quit, tempting you to give up, but there's going to be one voice "No, I love you too much to give up. And so here it is, he says, he gives this to those who love him. Now, do you know that you don't prove to God that you love him by singing? Do you know that you don't prove to God that you love him by praying? Do you know that you don't prove to God that you love him by reading your word? Jesus says in John 14, 21 through 24, those who love me obey my word. Those who love me obey my commands. But watch this. Here's the beauty is that not only do they love me, but because they love me, my father and I, we will come and reveal ourselves to them. And we will make our abode with them. In other words, when you persevere under trial, showing God that you love him, God comes by in a special way and meets you in that place. You wouldn't know he was a healer unless you got sick. You wouldn't know he was a mind regulator unless you were about to lose your mind. You wouldn't know that he was a bridge over. Trouble water unless you found yourself in trouble. You wouldn't know that he was a doctor in a sick room unless you found yourself there. God says, as you persevere and prove that you love me, I'll show you all that I am. Watch this. But he's not done. He says this. He says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone with evil. But evil. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Let me show you this. Recognize now imperfect propositions. As you're going through trial, there is a problem as you're going through. And the problem is that you and I can think that God is tempting us. Instead of believing that God is testing us... To prove us, we can begin to believe that God is tempting us in order to fail us. And he said, no, no, no. Let no one say when he is tempted he is being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone with evil. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Notice this. Recognize imperfect propositions are not from God or even external sources, sources, but from our internal sinful desires. How do you say that? But each one is tempted when he's carried away by his own lust. In other words, God is never the author of your temptation because that would mean that God was soliciting his people to fail. That's not God. God is trying to authenticate you and prove you to show you that you can pass to show you where you are in the faith. But he says, notice this, it's not even the devil who tempts you. He says, watch now, he says everyone is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust. Which means that while you're going through trial and tribulation, you can find yourself finding a lust pattern somewhere else to where you say, okay, this is more appealing to me than the trial that I'm going through. Now watch this. See, because when you go through trial, you often experience pain. So what you often try to do while you're experiencing pain is to relieve yourself with pleasure. You you, you didn't hear what I said. I'm going to rewind, press play. So as you go through trial, you want to relieve yourself from the painful process, and you'll go try to look for pleasure somewhere else. And you end up tempting, being tempted by your own lust pattern. So instead of recognizing that God is trying to prove you and bless you, you'll say, oh, God, you've treated me unfairly. And this is an amazing thing. See, everyone is tempted by their own lust, which means... Everybody has a lust pattern. Y'all ain't getting ready to follow me just yet. I I I know you're walking with Jesus, but but I believe that you don't know that that there are times to where your lust pattern can call your name. Everyone is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust. Now, I know y'all are holy up here, so y'all didn't watch New Jack City. But in New Jack City, my man Pookie had gotten set free. And then all of a sudden, Pookie began to live around the stuff that was once calling his name. And then Pookie called, told ice Steve, he said, it be calling me, man. It be calling me. It's just like it's be calling me. And Pokey knew he was struggling with that thing. And that was gonna draw Pookie away to his own lust pattern. Amen. I why? Because watch this. Sin and all that stuff was beginning to meet opportunity. See, you got to look at your lust, but he said, everybody is drawn away by your own lust. Now, I'm, I'm setting you up with something because you need to find out what is it you begin to look for pleasurably outside of the will of God when you're actually in the will of God when he's taking you through trial. What turns it into a temptation versus a trial for you? What, what is it that bothers you in that situation, all right? Now, watch this. So, let him set you up. Verse 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, he has been tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, for he himself does not tempt anyone with evil. But each one is tempted, watch, when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Watch this. Imperfect propositions initiate imperfect processes. When our internal sinful desires connect with the opportunity to fulfill them, listen to this: See, you just look at her a lot and just admire her a lot, but you haven't had a chance to get with her. You watched her walk through the hallways, but you've not been in the room with her yet. Can I, let, me, let me get back in the text because y'all don't got nervous in the service. He says this. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth, uh, watch this, notice this, death. Here's what lust patterns do. Lust patterns begin to call your name. They are those areas of your life where you and I fell over and over. And we thought, God, if you get me out of this one this time, I'll never go back to it again. But yet we find ourselves back in the exact same pattern. Why? Because we have not yet controlled our lust patterns. So watch this. You get enticed. It's calling you. It's calling you. And as it calls you, watch this. There's an opportunity for your sin and your lust pattern to connect. And when sin and the lust pattern have connected, it gives birth to sin. And watch this. And sin brings forth death. Y'all still ain't feeling me. Let me go on and help you. See, this mouse right here had a lust pattern. That mouse <laughs> loved cheese. And so what the mouse normally does when he gets in your house, don't tell nobody. But when he gets in your house, he normally goes around, edges around the corners, sniffling. And you're going to drop some Cheerios down there. And so he- you know, and he, you know, and he gets that because there's a drop and you didn't really brush good. You didn't really take your brush and get all up under there because you just did it by the side. So the, the, he normally gets some food like that. But on this day, what the mouse believes is, man, they done set out a table for me, man. <laughs> and, it, and this mouse feels like, hey man, this is fine dining right here. And this mouse sees the cheese on there and he's got a lust pattern. He says, I ain't used to this kind of stuff. But notice this, he says, man, it, could this be a trap? No, that cheese is looking too good. Y'all know some of the situations that we found ourselves in, we wonder, will we trap ourselves in this one? Will we find ourselves dead in this one? But watch this. But the lust pattern, keep calling your name, and all of a sudden, you just kind of dibble and dabble, and you dibbled and dabble before and got away, and now all of a sudden you... And it untrapped you in there. And you never thought you were going to get trapped in there. But watch this. You say, Pastor, what is your lust pattern? I'm going to tell you mine. I'm not going to be concerned about no drugs. You don't have to worry about me on drugs. Never smoked. Never done that my whole life. I don't have to worry about no alcohol. But here's my lust pattern. If you put a thick one in front of me, it, it... if you put a thick one in front of me, pastor might struggle. If, now, hold up. If they say, Pastor Blake cheated on his wife with a tall, skinny girl, don't worry about that. No, that ain't Pastor Blake. But if they say, man, she got some hips and some thighs, and man, we got to pray for him. We got to lift him up now. Deliver him, oh God. See, but, but see, you tripping on me. But if David would have recognized his lust pattern, we wouldn't be calling her Bathsheba, amen? David should have known what he liked and what called his name. But I'm going to tell you this. You better recognize your own cheese. You tripping on me right now. I know what my cheese is. What's your cheese? You you got some cheese? You you, you got some cheese? Is there some cheese you got? Come on. Come on. Y'all got some cheese? Why? Because it's going to call you. And you didn't think it was going to end up in death. The lust pattern pulls you away to destroy you. God is trying to give us a crown of life for eternity, but we will waste the crown of life right now for temporal pleasure and lose out on opportunity. Let me get on with a little bit more and we'll get out of here. Watch this. And when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Now watch this. Verse 16, 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren every good thing and every perfect gift is from above coming down from heaven watch this from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow imperfect propositions often result in our accusing God when God has already given us a wise solution to our sinful situation see Let any man say, I've been tempted, I've been tempted by God. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived to think that God would try to fail you. Don't don't be deceived to think that God was the one tempting you. No, 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 don't be deceived. He said, God has already given you a wise solution to that which you're going through. Now, what is the wise solution that God has already provided in this book? He said, if you're going through trial, one through four, and five through eight, ask God for wisdom. What is wisdom? It is the ability for God to show you how to make it through what you're going through. It is the ability to apply the word of God in your life situation to where you're not just saying some deep stuff, but you're actually living out some heavyweight stuff. It it is the ability to live out the truth that you already know about God. God has already given us all the word we need. Y'all, can can, can I help you? Y'all, Pastor Mason said he's the husband of one wife. He's the husband of one wife. But there's another man in the Bible that many of y'all would prefer. His name is Solomon. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Now, here's the deal. Deuteronomy 17, 17, I don't think you heard it, says the king is not to multiply wives. Deuteronomy 17, 17 says the king is not to multiply wives. Write that down. But 18 through 21 says that the king was to read the word of God every single day. The king was to read the law every single day. So watch this, 999 times the wisest man in all of the bible by the name of solomon already had a word that he had read over a thousand times but 999 times he said god i prefer my lust pattern to my love for you and he set the word of god aside and every time you and i end up dead in situations where we fall in temptation we've already had a word if you think back over your life when you got some stuff just those things that are calling you you already know the word on that God's already given us ways out. Do not allow your trial where you're going through the process of pain to be turned into a temporal time of pleasure where you fail God. And show God you love your lust pattern more than you love the eternal weight of glory that God has designed for you. God always provides a way out. Now, my man Joseph, in Genesis chapter 39, was 17. Potiphar's wife, a grown woman, came and said, hey Joseph, I like the way you're looking. Now, it's one thing when you're 17, that means that you're a junior in high school, and the principal comes up on you, and the teacher comes up on you, talking about, let's holler. Then that's different than the ninth grade, new girl that just came out of high school. That's, that's grown woman stuff. And Joseph said, how can I do this horrible thing and sin against God? Because Joseph was not thinking about temptation. He was thinking about the glory of God. How could I bring God's name down when everybody sees the favor of God all over my life? And then she finally reached out and tears the jacket. And my man said, I ain't got no Bible. I'm just going to run. Amen. I mean, sometimes you just got to run from some temptation. Amen. I ain't got no verse. Just go. Amen. God always provides. A way out. He's always given us a wise solution for our sinful situation. Amen? Now, now, now let's do a little homework real quick. Write down in your mind your cheese. You got some cheese? Oh, y'all ain't got no cheese up here? See, it's some cheese in your life that's calling you away to death while God's trying to offer you eternal life. Now watch this. Watch how it concludes the story. Verse 18. He says every good and every perfect gift is from above. Which comes down from the father of lights. With whom there is no variation of shifting shadow. God has provided you with the perfect gift of wisdom and insight to get through the trial. Now watch this. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Here's the last thing we got. The perfect performance did not begin with us, but it began with God's initiation and continuation of our salvation and our perfection. He says in verse 18, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth. Now watch this. While we were sinking deep in sin, God already had a plan with your name written on it and my name written on it for salvation. And in the exercise of his will, while we were living, foul and failing every day, God says, I got a better will for you. And I'm going to reach out and save you and pluck you out and make you mine. The chosen, the elect of God. Watch this. He brought us forth by the word of truth. That God... Allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to come by and to identify sin in your life and sin in my life and let us know that we need a Savior, and without this, it's over for us. He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Notice this. We would be a kind of firstfruits, and, and, and we're done, among his creatures. That Jesus Christ is the first fruit the priority fruit of God, the one who was transitioned from this realm to the next realm. But he says, you and I are what we call first fruits. We're we're, we're first fruits. In other words, here's the good news about it, is that you might have gotten saved in 2017, but there were some people that got saved at Pentecost, 3,000 of them. And what God is saying about you is you're not after fruit, you're just as good as fruit as the fruit was way back in Acts chapter 2. In other words, see, 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 we got a tree in our backyard, and the other day my son said, Dad, there's some oranges coming up on the tree. Well, there were some oranges coming up last year that didn't make it. So I'm wondering if these oranges are gonna make it. But what God says, every time God births you into the body of Christ, he says fresh fruit. New fruit. First fruit And God has you as the elect, the first priority of his mind. The first priority of his mind is you. How would this God, who exercised his will in your past and is keeping you in the present and keeping you in the future, try to ever fail you? Not, not this God. You have to know who God is as you go through trial. And watch this. Let's leave on this note. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the man who perseveres on the trial. For once he has endured, God will give to him the crown of life for all those who love him. You want to show God how much you love him? The next time a trial comes your way, you make sure you say, God, I I don't think I can make it, but you better hold me and keep me through this thing. God, I'm going to put all my trust and faith and dependence on you. God, by your grace, get me through because I'm not going to make it on my own, God. And God will provide a way out of all that you're going through. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For when he has been approved, God will give to him a crown of life. What God has in store for you, brothers and sisters, as you're going through your temporal situations, is something far greater than if you'd ever quit on him now. And here's the deal. If you ever think about giving up on God in the middle of your trial, just think about this man named Jesus Christ. While he was walking up Calvary's mountain, how he did not give up on you and I. When he was beaten and lied on and spit on and his beard was pulled out and they whipped him down and did all that they did to him, put the cross on his back and he marched up the Via Della Rosa, he didn't give up on you. And even when he got tired and wounded and fell down, they put the cross back on him and he kept on going until he said, It is finished. Don't ever give up on God when you're going through trial because Jesus didn't go give up on you when he was going through the greatest trial of his life. <laughs> Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. God bless you.